0: this movie Ian, the Blair Witch Project you hated it <laughs> no I really I really love the Blair Witch Project I think it's really well done oh good mm-hmm yeah I was
1: I was making fun of the fact that like for the last for the last <laughs> billion movies you've been saying like Ian I hated this movie yeah because I chicken hate it. Pot pie. yes
0: <laughs> no Blair Witch Project it perfectly cooked my chicken pot pie dude that's what it did Sorry for everything that has happened. Because in spite of what Mike says now, it is my fault.
1: Because it was my project. And I insisted. I insisted on everything. Well, uh, I hated this movie, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I I also really like this
0: movie. Awesome. We're on the same like, page. Like a bunch.
1: So, uh, that that means this is going to be a terribly boring episode, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh because we agree on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: uh sorry about the boring episode, everybody, but we're mm-hmm. paths of fear nonetheless. Um unless you find this episode boring, in which case we're a different named podcast. That's right. Um I am Marshall and I am Ian. Mm-hmm. And uh we explore horror movies and give our ratings on them as well as explore the opinions of our audiences. that's right. And this week's winner
1: for our found footage theme is the Blair Witch Project. If you'd like to participate on voting for these movies, join our Discord uh, link in description. This was a recommendation from audience member Loth The Blair Witch Project was made in 1999 and was written, directed and edited by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo
0: Sanchez. I always like pronouncing her name like Lawful Orion, just splitting it up wrong. Oh, lawful. Lawful. <laughs> it just makes me happy. I don't know why. Lawful Orion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Ian, do you want to drop a little teaser for this movie before we get into our general thoughts? For sure.
1: In October of 1994, three student filmmakers, Heather, Mike, and Josh, visit a small town in rural Maryland to investigate a local legend of a witch. After interviewing many of the townsfolk, they decide to explore the woods on the outskirts of town. Contained within these woods are locations associated with century old murders and disappearances. Will these amateur filmmakers find what they're looking for? And if they do, How much are they willing to sacrifice to complete the Blair Witch
0: Project? Good stuff. That's right. Well, Ian, what 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 were your kind of like overall thoughts? What did you rate the movie? So I really liked this movie
1: surprisingly. Mm -hmm. So I've watched this movie before. Yes, Um, it's 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 been a long time, but I didn't actually like it all that much the first few times I watched it, and I don't know what's gone on with. Well, I guess maybe I kind of do because I know what I like about this movie. But um, after watching it this last time, I really like this movie. I think it's a great horror movie. Um, there's a lot of things you can learn from it. It's got a lot of things that I really look for in horror movies, especially when it comes to the characters, of course. So I'm giving this movie an 8 out of 10.
0: That's. I think this is the first time we've ever just agreed on the number because I was going to give it an 8 out of 10 as well.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do we have like some music, some celebration music we can put on here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just shoot some confetti. Yeah.
1: We did it.
0: <laughs> um Yeah, it's it does a lot of things right and it creates it creates its horror very well and mm-hmm. a vi- in the very unique way of not showing you the horror. And it Kind of like pioneers, almost the found footage genre. There were definitely found. There was some found footage before this, but this kind of like launched it into mainstream culture. I feel like.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I would definitely agree. Um, I forget. So, well, the, this was 1999, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that mean that Paranormal Activity came after it? I believe so. Yes, and I'm also. Pretty damn sure that Cloverfield came after it. I'm pretty sure that one. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that the filmmakers of this movie gained inspiration from "quote unquote" documentaries on like paranormal activity, and like they found those to be scarier than actual horror movies. That's how they were able to use elements from those documentaries um, to actually scare their audiences more by making mm-hmm. it seem more real. Uh, so i think that definitely served them well and yeah like you said it it introduced found footage into a more mainstream horror
0: what it did as well was it does a great job of like all the things they did outside of the film to make it more real and people weren't familiar with found footage so it felt so real to a lot of people Mm -hmm. it was just really great stuff
1: yeah i probably would have rated this movie like a 10 out of 10 if i'd watched it when it first came out yeah um and i was like the same age now I'm, I'm i'm a skeptic so i don't know how effective it would be but still like i think especially if you're watching it for the first time and like how they like made it so they actually claims that the actors within it were dead mm-hmm. and everything and it's just or missing or something
0: yeah they asked him to leave um, the country for a couple of years some
1: yeah it's so like they 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 put a lot into making it really ambiguous as to, is this like real? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that made it a lot more effective.
0: And I mean, all the actors, uh, their characters are the same name. Like they, mm-hmm. they didn't, they weren't playing a character necessarily themselves. So it was, it was just crazy. Uh, our audience, Ian, averaged out at a 5.7 on this movie. Okay. All right. What's, what's the spread? Is the it... spread, we have a three and then we have eight is the highest. Okay, um, I see. And honestly, it is, it's is—it's one of the more dividing movies that I've seen. I think if we had a larger sample, I think we would have seen a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. But I find people are either really not scared at all by this movie or they are terrified by this movie. Um, they, they'll either be like, why did I watch this? This is a waste of time. Or they're like, I don't know if I'm ever sleeping again. Uh, you don't find a crazy amount of in-between, you know, but it's usually kind of more to one side. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. Do you want to go ahead and uh, give us our summary, in, so we can get into it in further detail? That's right.
1: And I started trying to mix up how I uh, do my summaries, trying mm-hmm. to take from multiple sources. So uh, we'll see how that ended up. Maybe this is a really long and unnecessary summary, or maybe it is the perfect balance. We'll find out. In October of 1994, young filmmakers Heather, Mike, and Josh travel to Burkittsville, Maryland, to produce a documentary on the fabled Blair Witch. They interview the local residents, some of whom have only heard of the witch, while others educate them on the historical events associated with her. The most recent event occurred in 1941, where Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods, kidnapped seven children. He supposedly killed them all in his basement, what he did is he took uh, the kids down in the basement by twos and he made one face into the corner. Really? And then he would kill the other one. And then when he was done with that, he'd grab the one
0: out of the corner and kill that one too.
1: However, Mary Brown, who many of the residents regard as crazy, claims to have seen the Blair Witch herself one day near Tappy Creek. It, it was like a woman. Only on her arms and on her hands and everything. It was like here, like a... When the group goes to the nearby creek, they find two fishermen. One warns that the woods are haunted and tells of a young girl, Robin Weaver, who went missing in 1886. When she returned, she told of an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. One of the search parties that had gone looking for her never returned, and the five men that comprised it were found ritualistically murdered on Coffin Rock. After finding out this Coffin Rock was a short hike away, the group decides they'll head there after a night's sleep at the local motel. The next day, the three head out into the woods, using a map of an old logging trail to guide them. While the woods are far larger than expected, they find their way to Coffin Rock, and are satisfied with the footage they capture.
0: They went into the woods prepared to find death. What they found was a desecration of humanity at the site which trappers have often referred to as Coffin Rock.
1: As it begins raining, they decide to make camp, and despite Mike's flatulence, their spirits remain high.
0: Okay, who who wouldn't let me have a cigarette in the tent, but he's allowed to fart as much as he wants?
1: The following morning, Josh, somewhat jokingly, claims to have heard a cackling during the night. After Heather consults the map, she figures they can press even further into the woods to find an old cemetery. While Josh and Mike are a bit weary of Heather's wayfinding, as she has gotten them a bit lost before, They relent.
0: All I'm saying is that you got us lost, man.
1: For a very brief amount of time. Okay. Just don't get us lost today. While Heather remains confident that they're headed in the right direction, after a few hours of hiking, it becomes clear to Josh and Mike that they are, in fact, lost. Tensions mount, as does resentment, but nevertheless, the group presses on. Eventually, they come across a clearing with seven strange small rock piles. Heather recalls Mary Brown had said something about piles of rocks, but can't remember exactly what it was. That night, the group returns to get darker footage of the clearing, and Josh accidentally knocks over a pile of rocks. Heather restacks it, just in case. Later, that same night, back in the tent, they hear twigs snapping and rocks moving out in the darkness. In the morning, Mike and Josh agree that the sounds must have been someone messing with them, which concerns Mike as it means someone is willing to travel deep into the woods to do so. What
0: bugs me out is that we're so damn deep in the woods and people are going to try and, and come out here and mess with us, then they got to have something wrong with them and I'm not going to play with that.
1: After this spooky experience, the three decide to make their way back to the car. While Heather claims that she knows where she's going, tensions start to run high as the day goes on and afternoon turns to evening. Mike becomes increasingly stressed and resentful to Heather.
0: Give me the map. Heather, give me the map. Turn the camera off. Turn the camera off and get us home.
1: After it starts to get dark, they decide reluctantly to set up their tent. Once again, that night, they are disturbed by strange noises. While Josh assures the other two that it's probably deer, Heather isn't convinced, as the sounds seem to surround them unnaturally. In the morning, they find that three rock piles have been built perfectly around their tent. Moreover, Heather finds that her map is missing. Both Josh and Mike deny having seen it, and Josh seems convinced that Heather is purposefully hiding it so that she can film more. One of you has thought to have the map. No, I don't have the map. We
0: gave it back to you after map check yesterday. You've always had the map. I know, and I've always had the map in the same place, and if it's not there, one of you had to have taken it. All I want to do is get out of here, man. I'm not f***ing around. That's all I want to, man. Let's go. No, you want to stay here. You want to film rocks. You want to look around. You want to f***ing, like, get this. You want to get that. Which way are we walking? That way. Dude, we're in the middle of the f***ing woods.
1: While they are all now completely lost, the trio decides to follow the creek, assuming they'll get back to civilization eventually. Josh also reasons that people start looking for them when they don't return. After crossing a wide river with frayed nerves and increasing tensions, Mike begins acting erratically and laughs at Heather for getting her shoes soaked. Josh seems to join in, making Heather angry and confused. A near hysterical Mike then admits that he had taken the map and thrown it into the creek as he felt it was completely useless.
0: (laughs) It was useless. I kicked that into the creek
1: <laughs> Mike and Josh barely avoid physically fighting and Heather screams at Mike in hysteria. The three's relationship is broken down and trust is at an all-time low. After despair replaces anger, they all agree to head south, following their compass. After heading south for a while, they start to see strange stick figures suspended in the trees. Heather films the totems for some time, but eventually Josh and Mike demand that they leave the area.
0: That's enough! Stop taping! taping. Please stop taping! Okay, 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 okay. we're leaving right now.
1: As it becomes dark, the three set up their tents, but decide not to start a fire or turn on any lights, hoping to hide their position from whatever's following them. Yet again, they are awoken by strange sounds, this time what appears to be the gleeful sounds of children and a baby screaming. After an unknown force violently shakes the tent, they sprint into the night and spend the rest of it huddled in the darkness. Upon returning to their tents, they find that their possessions have been rifled through, and Josh's belongings are covered with some slimy substance. As Heather films all of this, Mike loses it and attacks her, attempting to pry her camera from her. Heather screams at Mike, and he seems to snap out of it, apologizing to both her and Josh for his actions.
0: Are you all right. I'm fine. I just... I want to go home, but it's important. I just want to get what we can.
1: As they press on, Josh is the one who begins to act irrationally, becoming moody and depressed and even wanders off to sit on his own. Mike and Heather formed somewhat of an alliance to keep their group together. While Heather claims it's simply impossible to vanish in America, the three are eventually met with another river crossing, and quickly realize it's the same river they had crossed the previous day. While they had followed the compass south, they had gone in a complete circle. And we're now back where they started that morning. Oh God! No! Oh, no. You gotta be killing me! It's a joke! Mike shouts angrily at the world while Heather begins to sob uncontrollably. Josh becomes angry at Heather and turns the camera on her, taunting her about how her ambition is what got them lost. Mike tries to calm things down, but Josh continues berating her, until she breaks down in tears.
0: We walked for 15 hours today. We ended up in the same place. There's no one here to help you. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. Please stop.
1: Night falls, and the group, too tired to fight anymore, get into their tents and seem to bond over food they miss, while Heather sews up a hole in Mike's chains.
0: I'm sorry. Man. You chill. That's all right. I'm sorry. Who wants a cheeseburger? <laughs> I do. I do.
1: <laughs> In the morning, Mike and Heather find that Josh has vanished. While at first Mike assumes he's gone off for some time alone, it becomes apparent that something has happened to him. Demoralized and disturbed, Mike and Heather keep moving. Night falls again, and this time the two wake up to what sounds like the agonized screams of Josh. Is it a trick? Josh! Josh! They stumble around in the dark, but can't figure out which direction his screams are coming for him. They also feel his screams may be a trap, as Josh wasn't telling them where he was. The next day, Heather discovers a bundle of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. Upon opening the bundle, she finds a blood-soaked scrap of his shirt containing teeth, hair, and what looks to be a piece of a tongue. Although distraught, she chooses not to tell Mike, as they continue meandering somewhat pointlessly through the woods. That night, Heather records herself apologizing to her family, and Mike and Josh's families, taking responsibility for their predicament. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom, and Josh's mom, and my mom, and I'm sorry to everyone. Later that night, Mike and Heather again hear Josh, but this time can make out that he's screaming for help. They leave their tents to go and search for him and come across a derelict and dilapidated house containing occult symbols and children's darkened handprints on the walls.
0: Josh! I'm getting downstairs. Come on! I hear him downstairs!
1: Trying to find Josh, they go to the basement, where an unseen force attacks Mike, causing him to drop his camera. Heather, chasing after him, enters the basement screaming, and her camera captures Mike, standing in a corner facing the wall. (coughs) Heather's screams are cut short, and her camera drops to the ground. The footage ends shortly thereafter.
0: Some good stuff. Yeah, I think the most obvious thing that they do in the movie that I think is just the most brilliant thing. But I think it was, it, as I understand, it was actually unintentional was they never show you the Blair Witch. It's always just like this presence that's messing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, And I believe I heard I heard somewhere that that one point they do. You were supposed to see her kind of like in passing as they're like running away from something mm-hmm. Uh. They're running all scared, and you're supposed to kind of see her in passing, but they accidentally didn't get her on camera, but they just decided not to bother, and so we ended up never seeing her. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I think that is effective. Now, uh, I understand how that can be divisive because I think a potential issue that some people may have with this movie is that the buildup can be disappointing like with the ending the characters act irrationally they're running around in, you know like a really creepy building even though they know that something is after them and then they also aren't sticking together and everything and then of course you never actually get to see what what gets them uh in the end and of course mike standing facing the wall for some people might just seem kind of silly like what what's he doing there i i would definitely argue that it naturally makes sense, the sort of hysteria that's present in the end there with them running around. Because, I mean, they're lost, they're desperate, they're hungry, they're trying to find their friend Josh, and he's screaming for help. So I think it all makes sense. And for me, the ending is, is quite good. But I can understand how it can be disappointing for a lot of people, especially because you don't get to see what exactly it is.
0: Yeah, and yeah, that I, I understand people are disappointed in that. For me, it just leaves that empty void of what did get them that you can fill in the gap. Yeah. Either that, or you can just fear that it's still unknown. And but there's definitely both sides to that. And a lot of people, they aren't they aren't scared throughout the movie as well. Not only just disappointed by the ending, but throughout the movie, they don't understand the characters' fear in a way. They're just like, "Well, you're lost. That sucks." But like you're at, you're kind of like blown up for no reason. Like I've mm-hmm. definitely watched it with a lot of people that walked away with it and didn't. They got it. They didn't get anything out of it. There was just nothing there for them. As far as they were concerned, they just saw a bunch of kids scared in the woods.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I can understand that. I think some of these scares can be just not very effective for a lot of people. Mm. You know, like the tent shaking or like the sounds off in the distance. While it will be scary in that situation, I think for most people, watching it as a movie, especially as an independent movie, it's so easy to rationalize that, wow, well, that's just, you know, someone roughly in their tent or yeah. someone moving some rocks in the darkness. So when you rationalize it, you can make it very unscary. But I think if you lean into it, you try to put yourself in their situation, it uh, becomes very effective.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what this movie requires is that amount of leaning into it. So if you're that horror viewer that leans into your movies to enjoy them, this is the movie for you. If you're the one that like they need to prove to you that it's scary, then this isn't quite it for you.
1: Yeah. For some viewers, I think that those like actual real life scares um not Mm. not just your jump scares but definitely including jump scares something that really just jumps you out of your seat and this movie doesn't do that it is more of a um while it may not be a psychological horror movie there's a lot of psychological
0: horror elements yeah for sure i think that it when it first came out being able to lean into the idea that this isn't just like a movie that was made by people. Like, you were actually seeing found footage. Right. I think that made it a lot easier for a lot of people to lean into it. And I think a lot of people just like like today, they just saw through the guys and they're just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't what it seems. Yeah, it's... which I, I
1: totally understand, like getting that.
0: Yeah. What I love so much about this movie is just all the work they put into it behind the scenes to make this happen. Like they were, I remember they were like feeding the actors a little less as the days went by just so they would actually be kind of like distraught and kind of starved. Um, which, which I don't know if that would fly today. Honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even I don't know, know if it, it should necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know if it even flew back then that well, but <laughs> it would, uh, it, it's something that they did for sure. Um, and then of course, as I mentioned earlier, sending them to live, somewhere else so they actually kind of disappeared for a while that's crazy and i
1: think as long as they were okay with the method acting i think it can be like
0: really cool yeah i think it i think they had to find the very right actors for it because i don't think you could go to a big hollywood store and be like could you disappear for us (laughs) would you just go away
1: and also like of course um like for uh for like the ads that they put out to get their actors and actresses uh, They called for people with incredibly strong improvisation skills. um, And, of course, uh-huh. Josh, actually, uh, I believe he said that um, part of the reason he was picked is because he actually knew how to shoot a camera because, of course, they had to actually use the cameras. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the improvisation, I think, is incredibly effective uh, for those characters. And, and the characters is a big reason why I really like this movie uh, on top of like even more so than the way that they're able to create an ambiguous fear. Most of it, if not all of it, uh, is quite improvised. I'm sure it's guided, of course, um, but improvised nonetheless. And it's incredibly well performed, like their emotional outbursts and everything. And it just adds a lot of depth and realism uh, to these uh, characters uh, who are really flawed. Uh, like no, no one's especially bad or especially good. They all like, make pretty bad mistakes And they, you know, again, like they have their character flaws and they just find themselves in a bad situation that they have to deal with together. And that just, it felt really well done and and rather real. And that made it so, so much easier to connect with these characters. And when you can connect with these
0: characters,
1: it's easier to empathize with the fear that they're feeling.
0: Yeah, I agree. The improvisation was great. I'm curious, Ian, from looking at the characters, do you think Like, of course, they're acting irrationally, but do you think they were, like, stupid, like a lot of horror characters are?
1: So, no, I don't think they were stupid. Um, Like, obviously, they made stupid decisions, uh, but not in a way that seems overly dumb. They didn't just go into, like, uh, a house that looked super creepy and haunted and were like, hey, let's stay here for the night. Or, hey, let's split up. Like, they didn't make those sorts of stupid choices. Their choices came from uh, real human attributes, such as overconfidence and ambition from uh, Heather that got them lost. Uh, The ignorance from Mike, who threw the map away because he, I mean, he was acting irrationally uh, given the situation, but because uh, he felt it wasn't helping and he couldn't read them and he didn't know what was going on with that. So, you have these characters making seemingly ridiculous choices, but it's backed by real human flaws uh, that can exist in usually smart, level headed, and good people.
0: Yeah, that's the movie's met with a lot of criticism of people being like, well, why are they being so dumb if they lost out in the woods? And I always try to tell them, like, I, it's not, it's not like there's not much to do when you're lost in the woods, you're lost. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you kind of do just go a little crazy. You and it, you, you, you end up falling victim to your flaws and mm-hmm. simply to the situation. So I like I I'm with you that their actions, while irrational, are backed up by their emotions and just by what I think a lot of people would do in this film.
1: And also on top of like the actual characters themselves and you know how they're portrayed and their acting and and everything is quite good. The sort of dynamic changes between characters and their interactions are so well done. Uh, like the way that they, they'll talk and tension, you can feel the tension rising and they'll fight. And then they have like these little, like almost makeups, you know, where like, like Mike, like attacks Heather and tries to get her camera. And then he snaps out of it and he apologizes like profusely. And he realizes what he's done wrong. Um, and then like when they have a huge fight later, and Josh, like, makes Heather cry and blames her for getting them lost. But at the end of the day, they're all lost. They're all in this together. And when they're in the tent together, Heather's, like, sewing a hole in uh, Mike's jeans because why not? And they start talking about the food that they wish they could eat and all that. And just showing these little moments of, like, just pure human connection despite a horrible situation makes it feel so real and just... It's it, it does so much for me, just like having these very human moments, both like bad and good uh, within a desperate situation. It's, it's so well done.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's what the draw of the movie really is, is how human it is, how we get to see our characters just be people more than you often see movie characters do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why I take issue with a lot of movies with that are kind of that character-driven in a way, uh, over plot-driven is because so oftentimes they don't show the full spectrum they they're so steadfast in a certain way um they're just like oh of course uh i'm going to make this decision because it's just the way i think Mm -hmm. where people were not like that where you sure maybe will will lean more towards one direction to make a certain decision if you know the person well Mm -hmm. but in reality like we're we're kind of spontaneous with our decisions and just how quickly our emotions can turn around especially in high stress situations like that
1: yes yeah, sometimes we don't even understand why we make certain choices ourselves yeah we're just so emotionally driven in this movie
0: this movie portrays that super well
1: yeah and, and actually uh like one of my favorite series of all time uh vikings it has great fantastic characters of the best characters i've ever seen in a tv series and that includes like game of thrones um Mm -hmm. ignoring the bad seasons of game of thrones the the characters feel so real because of how flawed they are and because some of their decisions don't really make sense it might sound kind of silly and of course you could do it wrong like you can't just have them make random decisions but if you do it right it makes them feel real and possible to exist in the real world and then that makes them so much easier to relate to, and then that gets you into the story so much more,
0: and it gets you invested in these characters. This movie did that really well. Yeah, and I'd say it makes for, not only does it make you more invested in the characters, I think it's almost healthier, in a way, for us to see that on screen sometimes, because reality reflects so much of what we see on our screens, and what we see just in the media, what we read. But seeing real people, not just people that fit a certain stereotype or fit, a specific kind of role but seeing real people making real decisions mm-hmm. is more allowing of the whole kind of human spectrum of emotions totally and i think it uh i think it can make for a more empathetic viewer in the end just watching it and putting in the effort to understand like i don't like that decision but i see why it was made yeah
1: it it shouldn't be all that ridiculous but yeah movies movies and series and media in general should be able to show Humans being humans and and feeling things and being flawed and uh and all that so yeah i I totally agree I think it is healthy for
0: the viewer to sort of get that um this is this is a weird tie in but some of the best superhero stories I see are the ones where heroes make like terrible mistakes, and like you see that there's clearly stuff wrong with them, especially you, i see it a lot with really well done Batman stuff where they kind of expose Batman as this like psychological um like monstrosity really like a dude who's like who has billions of dollars and he probably does donate to charity in the comics and stuff but his main drive to do good in the world is put on tights and beat up dudes and not mm-hmm. only that but he pulls in like kids to help him in his crusade like when you look at it it's it's crazy like it's it's just like the it's the works of an insane man Mm -hmm. but it makes him so much better of a character because we see those flaws. Like he's not just as perfect being in some manner.
1: Yeah, And I think that's also why people relate to uh, like Iron Man, uh, because his flaws are like right on the outside. Um, Like he wears them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and for some people that could be like, that can also make him really irritating. Um, But I think it just, it makes him feel a lot more real than other heroes. Uh, And of course they do it. generally a good job with other heroes of still giving them flaws. While Captain America may seem like a pretty two-dimensional superhero at first, uh, his actual flaws of how he originally sees the world as almost black and white uh, serve to uh, make him struggle later, right? Um, And so, yeah, I think giving uh, even superheroes like those those flaws uh, can really do a lot for making them relatable enough to be invested in.
0: Yeah and it's and it's you see really well done in the superhero genre it's great when you see it there but it's just great everywhere it's just create yep. create your flawed characters uh flawed beyond reason of and like this is going to sound weird coming from me but like flawed not just for the purpose of moving a plot forward but flawed because that's how people are yes and and let that move the plot forward nonetheless I think sometimes
1: as a writer you should be irritated at the action that your character is taking. Like, in a way, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, why Why are you doing this? And it's like, well, they're human. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you should feel that sometimes uh, with your own characters.
0: Yeah, I I think that it's kind of crucial that you are getting those kind of like strong emotions, good and bad, from your own characters, because mm-hmm. that's what, that's I think that's kind of where good writing comes from. I think that, you should definitely, and I can say as one who has done a good amount of writing, uh, you can definitely take great joy when you see those people getting so annoyed with your characters and see them getting very angry with you. Making the <laughs> character do that. But that's when you're like, I did it, I got it right. Oh um, yeah, it's just like hate me a little more. Go, mm-hmm. it's perfect. Um,
1: you, you kind of went it right on the edge of like where someone considers like to stop watching in a way um like because because of like the action of like one of their like favorite characters or something but it's so good that they don't want to stop you know yeah it's like kind of get right on that edge uh like game of thrones kind of originally did that with how they would kill characters you know where it'd be like why would you do that but oh it's so good i gotta keep watching Mm -hmm. doing those sorts of things i mean you kind of want your audience to be on somewhat of an emotional roller coaster a lot of the time (laughs) because that's what life is
0: and uh, that's what Blair Witch does in a nutshell. Is you're just going through this huge, um, terrifying emotional roller coaster with these characters, mm-hmm. and that's that. That's the beauty of it. Yep, and it puts them
1: in a situation where that emotional roller coaster makes sense. Like mm-hmm. in a different situation, you might not be able to get this many like dynamic changes in character relationships and interactions. But given their situation. It makes perfect sense. It's awesome to see.
0: And so you said that you liked it this time around. You said before you didn't like the movie. And why is that? Like, is it for the reasons we're describing as you came at it from that different approach? or
1: So I think I've gotten better uh, as I've continued to watch horror at leaning in. Um, I think originally when I watched this movie, I was definitely a lot heavier on like the like, you know, I'm, I'm a skeptical person. Right. Yeah. Um, and so a movie like this, that's found footage, it can come off as silly. But this time around, especially with how uh, I focus more and more on the characters and through the characters, I'm able to lean into the environment and the story. I, I'm able to sort of get back that uh, being able to experience that a lot better. So so that that's what sort of changed is nowadays I'm able to set aside that sort of immediate uh, instinct to uh, be a skeptic and criticize and I'm instead able to lean in through the characters.
0: Yeah. And. I think that's a really valuable skill to have as a horror viewer is the ability to lean in. Um, it's, I was talking to my dad about it the other day of like why we have these amazing effects now, but they don't always scare us. Like an eighties film will, where they were doing everything with like plastic and makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he has this idea that it's that stuff. while it's not as scary visually. It entices your audience to lean into it more if they want to be scared at all and that's why it ends up being scary where when we see something that is so well done that like just looks terrifying as is um we we're not enticed to lean into it we think it should just scare us so when it doesn't it comes off as disappointing
1: yeah and and i i would like to say that um i think and i don't want to generalize but i believe that it's likely that the modern viewer is more likely to expect that uh, because like what you're saying, like in the older days when effects couldn't be as good to get anything out of a movie, you had to lean in. Um, mm-hmm. And people back then, like, you know, when you watched like Alien, I don't think people even really noticed that the guy in like the rubber suit in some scenes, you know, they weren't thinking about that. They didn't want to think yeah. about that. Um, now, of course, it had amazing effects, so it certainly made it easier. With older movies than that, you'd have to lean in even further. But I think you're totally right because nowadays, because effects are so good, you're not expected to have to lean in. And that means that it's much easier to um to sort of disappoint the viewer and to not quite get enough. Um, so we're kind of we we are definitely, I think nowadays, expecting uh, more from a visual perspective to sort of prove that we should be scared, um, rather than leaning in ourselves and being scared of the ambiguity and uh
0: unsuredness as you would see in this movie. There's a movie coming out soon that I've talked about a few times that it it's freaky to me because of like past experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. But I think the visuals are just kind of freaky a little bit in general, even if it doesn't terrify you like it does me. But this movie lamb where there's, it looks like there's like a little child with the head of a lamb instead. Mm-hmm. And it's not animated in such a way that it's really uh, from the trailer that it's expressing emotion uh, that it's like fr- the head really is just a lamb, as you would see a lamb, and the body moves as as it does, mm-hmm. as any human would. And it's the freakiest thing to me because it doesn't it 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 looks unnatural, and it doesn't look like it was perfectly done. Uh, like you, they're they're always wearing a shirt, so like you could easily do it with the same way people make it look like their dog is sitting at a table, like. Put their head yeah. And then you put their dog in their shirt, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it it looks like it could honestly almost be done like that, but that it makes it so much more terrifying because in my mind, it's unnatural looking. Like it could have been done like that, but it's unnatural in a way of like, of course, this looks unnatural. This, uh, it's it's not supposed to exist. So, like, that's why your mind would kind of try to fill it in as something silly like that even though because it is just like blatantly a terrifying thing to see i think that's also and i don't
1: know if i can really describe this correctly um but i think that's such a cool way to do effects if you can where you could see how you could do it practically but something is preventing it for example like in this case uh you've got like the goat head coming out and like the human arms and legs coming out and you're like oh well what if they just have it in the shirt But what if there's not enough room in that shirt, you know? And suddenly Mm. you're, like, forced to see it differently. So they don't have to, like, have it without a shirt and have, like, the limbs all connected. Because now you're like, oh, I see how it works. But now that you've got the ambiguity of just the shirt being on, you are forced to reconcile that it's something that you could see a practical way of doing it, but it doesn't quite work. You, like, use those effects just a little bit to sort of force your audience to like reconcile that it it must be how it is you know I, I don't know if that makes sense but
0: no it's it's a really hard thing to describe and uh i feel like it dips into uncanny valley a little bit to for an sure. extent um like for me the most terrifying creatures i see their eyes are always like wide open like it would be if it was like a poorly mounted deer head or something uh where you're like, it doesn't really have eyelids. Like, it's why animatronics, for example, animatronics are, like, terrifying because they have that, like, empty look in their eyes, but they're mm-hmm. still eyes. Um, Like, Chuck E. Cheese, no, that's terrible. I, <laughs> I remember at a birthday party, my sister hid under the table the whole time once because she just couldn't stand that mouse.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also, like, the classic um, sort of why kids are afraid of clowns. Um, mm-hmm. There's just something not right. Uh, there's something not right that's happening, and it's kind of, it's strange. Uh, it's it's inhuman, but human at the same time, and I think striking that balance within a creature uh, can be really powerful because we all yeah. we all feel uncomfortable with it if you do it correctly, um, and I think I guess trying to get back to what I was saying earlier, perhaps the main thing is that uh, you're not really sure how human it is because like if you reveal the whole thing, you can like see it, you can measure it, you can be like, oh, it's this much goat and this much human, right? Mm. But with it hidden, you're like, I don't is this human? I don't know. Uh, And so you've got that ambiguity and it sort of does lean you into that sort of uncanny part of it,
0: I think. Yeah. And it's, it's a great tool and tying it back to Blair Witch. uh, It's the same stuff, just kind of in actions and kind of in the scenery that you see of like, you, you know that that tree, somebody hung those weird totems from it. Mm -hmm. You know, that it was just like one of the producers or something being on the side of the tent and it's so easy to say that. It's so, and it's so easy to recognize that. But mm-hmm. it's that leaning into it and letting, letting your imagination run with it for a moment that is really what's going to separate this movie from being good or bad for you just as a singular viewer, not just for anybody.
1: Yeah. And, and the little thing they do, right? Because um, like, uh, like, like with the sounds that occur outside of the tent, like the, the snapping twigs, moving rocks, right? all that stuff, that by itself isn't all that scary right? It's it's the same thing with, like, the goat in the shirt. It's like, well, I can kind of see how that would work. But the change here that it makes it ambiguous is the sound is coming from all around them. It's almost like they're surrounded by it. They can't tell which direction it's coming from, and suddenly what is usually a normal-ish sound that won't be too scary has become unnatural, uncanny, and now it's different. And now it, now it can be scary.
0: I don't usually say this about movies, uh, horror movies, because I think that a good horror movie will kind of be scary, however, but I think this is one of those where it's like, watch it in the dark. And I think it'll be a bit more effective in the dark. Yeah, I I'd agree. Like, I I think that's probably true where there's like a creature involved or something. So you can kind of imagine a creature in the dark, but this one just being deprived of senses and of like knowing like they are in the movie, it helps. So Mm -hmm. I think if you, if you want the full experience of this movie, watch it in the dark.
1: Especially because they make such a good uh, use of depriving the audience of light within the movie, uh, yeah. of, of being able to see. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that I think that would help a bunch, especially for this movie.
0: Also, you know, turning
1: on that surround sound.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, I don't, I don't have too much more to say about the movie, honestly. Uh, do you have anything that you want to chime in? I, I, think, I think we pretty much
1: uh, hit everything. Um, I guess I want to, uh, I started like taking quotes from the movie I might start like doing this normally. And so, uh, I have like a quote of this movie that I really like. And that comes from, uh, Heather's like confession video that she, uh, films where she's apologizing uh, to her family and, and Mike and Josh's families. And she says, I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them and and that that's such a freaking cool quote
0: no that is great because that's when you're really scared that is the case yeah so i love that it's either something's coming to get you but you don't want to see it yeah Mm -hmm. so
1: i i doubt so that's my that's my quote of the movie i might i might start doing this regularly or i'll forget about it (laughs)
0: let me uh let me ask you this again would so if you think that there's like something there that you just kind of can't stop um That you feel pretty helpless against. Do you keep your eyes closed so you don't have to see it? Or do you keep them open so you're at least on some kind of alert? Maybe Uh, grasping onto some kind of I'm hopeful here.
1: It's impossible to say. I would like to say that I would keep my eyes open because until I'm finished, I would like to think that I will do everything I can to avoid it. You know, And that Mm. includes having your eyes open.
0: I know from experience that I am the closed-eyes kind of person. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, I was in Cub Scouts, and our counselors decided to play a little prank on us. They put a mounted goat head 30-something feet out on a rock uh, in the dead of night. And when we looked out the window, it like looked like there was kind of a goat thing out there. And they started telling us, like, oh, it's the goat man. He's going to get you. And we were all scared. And that night, while we were all lying in our bunks, it was one of those just, like, long halls that just had bunk beds all throughout it. Mm-hmm. one door on one side a window on the other end a uh, little seven-year-old me I was sleeping with on my side my face towards the door and the counselors come in with that mounted goat head above their head just bleating like a goat just like ba ba, and they wake all the kids up and so many kids are crying they're all freaked out and little seven-year-old me I roll over and I close my eyes uh, so I'm not facing them, so I don't have to watch myself die. And I was just, and like I didn't recognize it as being like so scarring at the time, but mm-hmm. I realized as time went on, like that, like really fucked me up for a long time. Uh, so to those counselors, I hate you. Rightfully so. Oh my yeah.
1: god, who does that to seven year olds? Holy, yeah,
0: it's it it pretty, it's pretty f-ed up.
1: That's not okay to do to middle schoolers. <laughs> um, that's it's like college hazing. Yeah. But Seven-year-old edition. Oh my god! Yeah, we
0: were we were messed up. And what, do what? What made me the most mad was there were a couple kids that like they acted like they got the counselors acted like they were in trouble, so they were put in the other room or something. But for some reason, they let a couple kids in on it, so that those kids were helping us get more scared. And like those kids are traitors, dude.
1: Though they really are. Though, oh my god, this freaking
0: this camp man got a
1: some do a
0: man uh, lawsuit. It's it's come out uh, recently that there's been a lot of scarring within Cub Scouts within that whole thing, but not quite. Th- theirs was of a different nature, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I, I don't I can't see like how are Cub Scouts still a thing? Is what i wanted Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it yeah, down. Yeah, like it's, it's we're good now. Get rid of this. This ain't the '50s anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's fire your kid and book on tying knots. Yeah, and that that'll be about the same experience.
1: Have him watch a YouTube video and get mm. him a piece of rope. Mm. Okay, that's that's all you need.
0: Well, shall we move on to the survey, zine and see what our audience got? Let's do it. So they gave it a five point seven overall. And I'd say it was a little more on the higher end in general, but it was a five point seven in the end. So, but and it's the same that we got with like Midsummer and Gravy in our rating. If you saw our tier list, it's a. Uh, it's not five because it's mediocre. It's five because it's divisive. Yeah. <laughs> we were. <laughs> yes. Um, it's
1: the average of two very different scores.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we asked how scary it was. Oddly enough, uh, our audience, even though they liked it, they weren't quite as scared. We had more like threes and then like a six. So mm-hmm. it wasn't. They weren't terrified of it, which understandably so. Mm-hmm. Uh, my enjoyment comes from the fear I get out of it because I feel like I don't get that kind of fear from a lot of movies. So. I, I was definitely more scared of it than they were. Yeah, I don't know about you. Most of my
1: enjoyment comes from the characters. Um, and I can definitely... like I like their fear, but uh, myself... I mean, out of all the horror movies we've watched, it's on the slightly scarier side. Um, it, I mean, I think still, the actual scariest movie I've watched for our podcast was our our first episode. Not like the first one we have out, but you know paranormativity but the sort of
0: oh rough movie draft babadook
1: episode. yeah babadook yeah um we'll have to cover that one again no movies actually scared me as much as that movie uh just thus, thus far um i think there's there's like i think for movies to scare you a lot of the time i think it's involved with like your past i, I don't know if i'd say
0: traumas but like Things that have shaped you emotionally. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this movie might get to me because I got lost out in the woods for a few hours once, like without anybody. Yeah. So I, it's possible that it, I'm touching on fears that I had back then. Um, exactly. I was talking about that the other day. It turns out I likely had like a dissociative episode. Damn. And I just walked into the woods and I just wasn't seen for many hours. Man, that, that would so be terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to look back on. Yeah, but... Uh...
1: But, yeah, like not not having that that sort of a thing um or experience, uh, yeah, I mean, for me it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't all that scary, like I probably would give it a three as like for how much it scared me, um, but like i because I was able to like have the be scared for the characters, um, I was still able to really enjoy it as a horror movie,
0: yeah, and i i I'd say enjoyment of a movie more than like being scared of it means so much more for sure and. Uh, when I rate our movies, I look at I rate it more based on how I enjoyed it as a movie, not just mm. how horror it, how well it did, like horror wise, scaring me. Yeah, because uh, I think horror has this terrible, I think stigma against it of it's just trying to scare you with like jump scares and stuff, which plenty of movies do. They just throw cheap jump scares at you and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was like a really long period where that was kind of all you saw, and but the really great horror movies uh scaring you is a bit of an afterthought where they're just trying to tell you a good story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. and like um and especially like for me uh I mean I just don't get scared very easily by horror movies in general. Um I mean definitely when one can, that's pretty special. Uh and and not just like startling, but like scaring. And like scaring for me means like it stays in your brain. Um you know, you think about it. Uh, and especially if it like lurks there and like you think about it when you're going to sleep at night, that's been something scary. Uh, not like just you jump out of your seat because something appeared on the screen like suddenly. That can be scary, but it's usually like the story itself has to be scary or the actual like enemy in the story, the monster in the story has to be scary or the idea of it or the curse, right? Yeah. Um, like for people like The Grudge, that could be scary even if the movie wasn't that scary to you or like you didn't get startled a lot Uh, It can be scary because um, the idea of like that curse, that can be scary. That's like what I look for scare wise. Uh, But even if I don't get that, like it doesn't stick with me, like in the scary way, I'm able to get past that if the characters are appropriately scared and it makes sense to me. Like I can see myself in that situation being scared. And that situation making sense to me through the characters, like that, that can make a really good horror movie for me. If that makes sense.
0: No, yeah, that, by all means. Uh, so, up next, Ian, we have we have our little test for you. That we have every episode. Yep. We <laughs> asked what disturbs you the most about the movie, scares or disturbs you, and mm-hmm. uh, we have our four options: becoming lost in an unfamiliar place with no one to call for help. We have feeling that something is lurking somewhere in the dead of night, just watching you. We have. Being separated from what companions one has in a dire situation. And lastly, being the one responsible for a desperate situation. Yeah. Which do you think took the cake?
1: I like the idea of something lurking in the darkness. I think that's a cool one. So I'm going to go with that one.
0: All right. And which do you think just didn't do it? I'm going to give you a hint. There's two that tied. You got a good chance here.
1: I'm thinking that...
0: uh, You you have... Become the lost and in an unfamiliar place, you have separated from companions and then being the responsible one. I'm being thinking responsible the, for the situation.
1: I'm thinking the last two probably tied for last. Um the last two tied for last? Just because I think they could be more difficult to
0: Yeah. Uh so the last one tied for last with the first one. So becoming lost in an unfamiliar place and oh, okay. being the one responsible for the situation did not take it at all. Okay. Um the one that got the most was actually being separated from your companions. Oh, all right. Uh yours what the one you voted for top. It it was voted on, but it wasn't quite the top. Feeling that something is lurking. I see. Um, for me, I agree with you, honestly. The one the thing that something lurking, I hate that. Uh I'd rather something be trying to get me than something be lurking. Because like what do you mm-hmm. do if something like yours it's it's taking away so much power from you if it's just lurking. It knows mm-hmm. that like you don't have the power to stop it and it's safe like it has more power than you because it's safe enough just to watch you just to look at you whereas if something's attacking you it at least has some kind of drive and it at least knows like though they're gonna get away at some point if i don't get them now and i need to attack because otherwise like i need to have the advantage in some manner
1: yeah i would Uh, agree uh like that sort of lurking aspect or waiting um implies that there are they are in their natural environment and you are not
0: Yeah, it's just, it's terrible. It's, yeah, geez. Um, So we asked, did the characters in the movie feel real to you? Why or why not? Uh, We talked about, we felt the characters were really real for us. Um, Yeah, for sure. uh, Our first response was yes, but I also didn't care much about them, which I can get, we didn't get to like meet them too much, but I kind of feel like we got to know them through the movie. And I think
1: well I think some people may not care about them because again like like we were talking about earlier in uh in this episode um I think some of their actions can seem ridiculous to a lot of people and like yeah. they can seem like they're doing really dumb things and when someone does something that you perceive as being like ridiculous like ludicrously like dumb or obvious like in horror movies how hey let's split up that can sort of erase your sympathy for the characters.
0: Yeah. We uh yeah and so I, I can kind of understand not caring about them, but I think that's also has to do with kind of like leaning into caring about them. Mm. Um, so our next one was absolutely, it didn't feel like the dialogue was scripted for the most part, which, yeah, you're you're dead on there. Um. The last one is, Heather seemed real, but Mike and Josh's actions did not make sense unless you believe Matt Pat's film theory. I have no idea what his film theory is. I would guess that it is the witch somehow influencing their decisions and such or like even taking their place at times
1: yeah but i haven't i haven't uh, i'd be curious to uh watch that although for me i don't even need a theory for it Um, yeah same like i will say i think uh actually part of the reason why i didn't like the movies before i was always confused why mike kicked the map into the creek um but watching the movie again and like looking for it carefully uh, they set it up uh like first of all mike and josh are incredibly angry with heather for getting them lost despite using the map um mike like eventually like demands to look at the map himself it doesn't make any sense to him like it's all greek to him quote unquote right like he can't make sense of it he doesn't know how to use it um like heather claims that she's using it and to get us out but they end up not going anywhere and eventually in a fit of hysteria after being lost for a while he kicks into the creek yeah, right. And I
0: mean, of course, that's what he's going to latch onto as a person as kind of the object of his misfortune, because mm-hmm. it's something super foreign to him and it's something that has seemed to be misguiding others and it's a source of tension. So, yeah, I yeah. would like I can see that for sure.
1: Yeah. So while originally I watched this movie for the first time and why I can understand it could be confusing and seem to be so dumb, like why would anyone do that? But actually, I believe that the movie sets it up quite well and it makes sense for his character um
0: our last one our last question if you're a witch in the woods what do you think would be a fun way to scare the crap out of a group of student filmmakers uh how before we go into it how would you how would you scare them in? how do you how do you scare some some filmmakers out in the woods Mm -hmm. um for me um I think I start out making sure that they're really young, right? Like seven. let just, mm-hmm. just throwing a number out there, like seven. <laughs> and then I put a goat head out on oh, a rock. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That'll do it.
1: I would, think, I would think a fun way to do it, right? And in this case, like, you're a witch or something, right? So I'm just going to pretend that I can do a lot of different things. Um, I would, like, walk towards the tent while shining, like, a flashlight. And kind of, like, shine a flashlight through it and then continue walking. And then as they, like, if they come out of the tent to look, right? just vanish right but like then be off in the distance whistling you know as if like someone's like out Uh. here just kind of and and i guess trying to sort of do the like lurking thing right Mm -hmm. like someone's obviously here and perhaps it'd be scary actually to not leave any footprints um so probably do that but yeah just sort of have like there is what appears to be a person out here but not acting in the way a person would and seems to not have the same rules as a person would is just sort of chilling you know having a having a good old time you know like uh there's totally like nonchalant
0: and i think you kind of touched on a bit of the key there is i think you need to make it feel like a person at least for a while is doing that Mm -hmm. because that's at least some kind of like rational idea you have in your head and then kind of slowly drifts into the idea of like you have no idea what's going on. I think that's how you. Yeah, you
1: kind of you kind of have to reckon with the fact that it can't quite be a person, even though it seems to be a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it might talk like a duck and walk like a duck, but ducks can't disappear into nothingness. So I don't I don't think it's a duck, guys. (laughs) You
0: know. I think uh I think the thing I would do specifically is I would definitely speak without them being able to see me. You know, I think that just the just being able to hear a person without like knowing where that's coming from. Yeah, just like a
1: random like just voice. yeah Like imagine like if you hear a voice, you, there was no sound predating it. You just hear a voice outside your tent just say something. And like if you go out there there's nothing. Like that is a super scary thing, especially if everyone in the tent hears it, right? And then yeah. you're just like what what was that? Like especially if there's nothing after
0: it, nothing before it.
1: I think that's a fun way to do it. Mm. Yeah.
0: If if you're a witch. And uh so our answers were, honestly, I would be too scared of them to try to scare them. I would be living in the woods in the first place because of crippling social anxiety. So, <laughs> they just flipped the situation on themselves. Like, well, these, <laughs> these filmmakers are out <laughs> to get me. Just, like, hiding behind trees. Yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like that. I feel like, honestly, it's a Tucker and Dale-style kind of movie that you're describing there. That's kind of great. And then, like, they come out of
1: their tent because... They like you step on a twig and they're like, What was that? Yeah. And then like they
0: hear someone running away. <laughs> just... Well the, you hear them like cock a shotgun, and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> they're right. Um yeah. our next one is nothing different. Being this ominous and unknown entity is very effective, especially with the environment of the woods. Which yeah, I think that's that's what we were kind of touching on, is like just being ominous and unknown. That's that's what yeah, that's what's gonna terrify people really.
1: I like adding also like some familiarity there. Like, yeah, because like you pointed out. If you can have an element that you could rationalize it, like, oh, it's like a person messing with us, right? But then at some point, you kind of destroy that notion because it can't be possible. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly what had seemed to be something
0: familiar and feasible is now infeasible and unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that transition does you well. Our last one is having my cat familiar constantly harassed them. (laughs) Man, do you, I don't... if. If I were a filmmaker out in the woods and there was a cat constantly just trying to like bite or claw me, I would just I would just kick that cat. I'd be like, "I'm done with you, cat. Get out of here." Yeah, but it's a, it's a magic cat. It would. Uh, That's fair. You know, you kick it into the woods, it would be
1: back like the next day. No, climbing at your tent, harassing you. That's like fair. it would be like That's it'd be, the be like the, you know, that old video where it's like, um, this guy just starts hitting someone with a spoon and he never stops. You know that
0: one? I feel like I've. It's familiar. Yeah.
1: It's not the best video because it goes on for way too long. Like, it's a a 10-minute video. It's like a fake trailer. But it's just this weird person in, like, some cloaks and whatnot, like, super pale and everything, just goes up to this guy and he starts hitting him with a spoon. And it's, like, it's slightly annoying. It's, like, why are you hitting me with a spoon? But no matter what he does, he can't get the guy to stop. (laughs) Um, And, like, he, like, goes to the doctor's office and the doctor's, like, I don't know, this seems self-inflicted. And, like, no one else, like, has seen the guy hitting him with a spoon or anything. Yeah. But the guy just always appears hitting it with a spoon, and like he even goes as far to like try to blow the guy up. But nope, he just walks straight through the explosion, keeps hitting him with a spoon. So that's what you do with the cat, right? It's like <laughs> no matter what you do with the cat, the cat comes back and still like and keeps like pipping you or something. <laughs>
0: you can't get rid of it. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> interesting. I'm, I'm wondering how I deal with the cat. I feel like I would like honestly like pin it to my side with a belt or something, so that I always just had tabs on it. Just disappears. Yeah, just <laughs> gone, And then my belt's loose. It's like,
1: and and I, <laughs> and I, your pants fall down. Yeah, I was like, the oh, ultimate God. prank. God. Um, but yeah, I think it would be kind of cool. Like the cat's just like following you. So like you turn around and like the cat's just behind a tree, some distance away. Yeah. You like run up to it to like go catch the cat, and then it's behind another tree looking at you. It's basically like a normal cat. Really, yeah. that's... that's my experience <laughs> with cats.
0: Um. Ian, uh, do you have any last words you want to say? That was the end of our, of our survey that we had. Uh, but any last parting thoughts you want to give to us? Personally, I feel like, I feel like we summed it up pretty well. Like, I just watch the movie with the lights off, lean into it, and it's going to be a fun movie for you. Yeah, I, I
1: very much agree with that sentiment. Um, yeah.
0: You know, I, I'll say this. One trend I've noticed from people who are and aren't scared of this movie, um, beyond people willing to lean in, is... Oftentimes, so many of the women I show this movie to aren't scared of it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm always curious as to why that is. But, like, women are just immune. And I'm just like, what? I don't understand. And then uh, it's usually, like, the big tough guys often that are really scared of this movie. And I'm just like, hold on. What's going on here? <laughs> this is, this has got to be something here. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave it at that. Food for thought for our audience. Yeah. Well, why is this? Tell us.
1: Mm-hmm tell
0: Marshall yes email me
1: maybe he just has weird
0: friends mm-hmm. that's probably it you can email me at Marshall at gmail actually it's not my email don't email that don't, don't I, email Marshall don't <laughs> <laughs> whoever has that email I got there quick um as soon as email came out they were like all right I got
1: it just e- email me at Ian yeah. <laughs> is that even like an emo you could do can you even do three letter emails I have no idea
0: but yeah thank you guys so much for tuning into our podcast today uh it was a good time as always and we hope to see you at the next one if you do want to catch us and watch the movie with us and possibly give your opinion on it you can find our discord down in the description we're also streaming on mondays and wednesdays now we're getting pretty good at it yeah twitch.tv slash paths of fear Mm -hmm. yeah
1: i i I hope to get the website up eventually yeah i uh...
0: when i do Passivefear.com. i actually just uh believe it or not, i read a book recently and i'll talk about that on twitter oh so, so we'll be on there uh, i know crazy oh, twitter yes. twitter.tv slash <laughs> <laughs> or just Passive fear wherever you go you can find yeah, us that's right i have faith well cool thank you all so much and have a good one